This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome into the program, everybody. It's a Friday edition of Hockey Central here on Sports at 960. Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. The Calgary Flames beat the St. Louis Blues 4-1 to last night. Walker Dewar scores his first NHL goal to open the scoring in the second period. He becomes the first South Dakotan to score in the NHL. Uh, his parents were in the stands, Neil and Victoria, some other family members. They drove nine hours from Sioux Falls to be in St. Louis for this two-game set against the Blues. Walker Dewar said last night, I think I blacked out. And uh, we also heard some good stuff from Daryl Sutter on Walker Dewar before we get to our guests. Uh, let's hear from the head coach and Walker Dewar from last night. Good, good to see a, a young kid in, in Walker Dewar step up. Yeah, it's good for the young man from South Dakota. It's one of the best ever from South Dakota, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a only one. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, it's awesome. It's always, everybody always remembers their first one, so he will for sure. And you still get a kick out of seeing these young oh, guys do it? It's awesome. You know, that's a kid that wasn't drafted. He comes up, comes up the hard way. Goes, spends his four years in school, starts in the American League where everybody should. It wasn't his only chance tonight either. He had a couple of looks at yeah, you know, he's been playing different than he did the first game. You know, just the way the the just the way the time the commercial timeouts and the penalties were it was you couldn't utilize the all the lines as much as I wanted to, but you know, it stayed ready and it's good great play by Naz. Louis makes a good play to get it to Naz. All right, and we uh, heard that Redeem is a Horna just before the show was sent back to the AHL Wranglers. Curious if that means Walker Dewar has done enough to kind of win that fourth line spot for the time being with Brett Ritchie out. Uh, we did hear from Walker Dewar last night. Let's uh, let's hear what he had to say after the game. Your dad said the other day that uh, there's already a lot of kids in South Dakota to look up to you. So I appreciate this is a bit loaded, but scoring a goal like that, can you maybe understand how meaningful that could be for maybe the next wave of players that do look up to you? Yeah, I'm sure uh, they see me doing it. Uh, probably puts a belief in their head, which which it should. I mean, um, anybody uh, who puts their head down and goes to work uh, can achieve a pretty great thing. So, yeah, hopefully uh, they can look at it and uh, uh, dream big. Again, the Calgary Flames beating the St. Louis Blues 4-1 to last night. But I think Walker Dewar was kind of the story of the game last night. It's a nice moment. We heard from Daryl. He, uh, whether you agree if every player should start in the AHL or if that's how you do it the right way or not, Walker Dewar did have a very, you know, inspiring path, especially for, for young players in South Dakota. You know, we've talked about it with guys like Blake Coleman and who they were inspired by, you know, growing up in Texas. You don't see a ton of NHLers coming out of Texas. And, you know, who has grown up watching Blake Coleman winning Stanley Cups and, and who's now growing up seeing Walker Dewar from South Dakota scoring in the NHL. It's great stuff there from Walker Dewar and the Calgary Flames last night. We're going to go right to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline to bring in our first guest of the show. It's Darren Haynes. He's been covering the Calgary Flames for years with the Canadian press. He joins us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Darren, when you watched last night 
and sure the Flames win and you get some good goals and Dan Vladar was great, but I think the story of the game is Walker Dewar and what he did last night. Am I wrong or am I just being sentimental? Um, well, we all love the sentimental story, don't we? But uh, I, I mean, hey, so. how can you not? In 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 a game that was what one nothing to the um, to the third, um, and he's got the goal. I mean, you know, sometimes these guys get their their first goal, and it's the seventh goal in a seven one win, or it's the only goal in a seven one loss. I mean, that was a huge goal. So yeah, it was a, a huge goal by a guy trying to kind of make a statement and trying to, um, you know, unpack some bags rather than pack them up again and stick around. And um, I've actually really liked what I've seen from him in these two games that he's uh, he managed to get in. And, and unlike uh, some of the other players or a player that's been kind of lingering around in the sidelines waiting to get in, this does strike <laughs> you as a guy that would be a Daryl Sutter player, doesn't it? With his size and um, and oh, yeah. um, his, his name <laughs> sounds like uh, sounds like someone <laughs> yeah. that might wouldn't be out of place uh, helping out on the on the on the ranch and biking in the summer here. So yeah, no, I think uh, <laughs> I think he's got. I think he was the kind of player that that would have the coach in his corner if he can kind of continue to uh, make an impact as he has these first two uh, outings. Do you think I'm reading too much into it? The fact that Zahorna just got sent down to the Wranglers, like this kind of shows after hearing from Daryl there and seeing what Walker Dewar did yesterday kind of seems like he's won that spot on the fourth line, at least for the time being. Yeah, I think that's fair for sure. Um, you know, they're also in the business of, of saving as much cast space as they can. They brought two extra forwards on this road trip. The road trip's almost done. They've got an afternoon game and then one more on Mondays. Uh, you know, not probably a need to have 14 forwards for the duration here. So if they can kind of save a few shekels by, by getting Zahorna back down, then there's some motivation there too. But yeah, absolutely. I think he's got nothing to lose that spot. If he's already penciled in to play on Saturday and maybe he's already earned himself a couple more, maybe he's earned himself the rest of that road trip already. And how could you not look at it that way? Then, then yeah, then Zahorna just becomes like an extra guy. So uh, no, I think that's exactly what you should read out of that. Got to accrue that cap space. Everything counts in this cap, in the, in the, flat, they, flat cap scenario, excuse me. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't they send him down even for one day in between games just to save a few, uh, just like yeah. a paper transaction? So, yeah, they're squeezing the yeah, penny. We love a paper so, transaction. <laughs> yeah, it's the cap space Cirque du Soleil, as Brad Tree Living put it in the bubble year. That was even more Cirque du Soleil. That was with the, with the taxi squads and everything. That uh, your the calculator is you know steaming at that point. You know, there's fumes yeah. coming out of it because you're trying to do so much stuff there. Uh, one of the other players on the Flames before we get into the player that's been kind of sitting on the sidelines because I know you want to get into that, Darren. But I think one of the players in this game who's probably you know punched his ticket for a couple more starts here is Dan Vladar. He's 2-0-1 with a 1.5 goals against average and 9.44 save percentage since the holiday break. It's a small sample size, but it's one that should probably be bigger based on his performance and that of Jacob Markstrom lately. Like, are you in the camp of, like, let's give Dan Vladar a couple more starts here? Well, it's funny, you know, the, the Daryl's always pretty been pretty hard on his backup goaltenders. And regardless of the circumstances, whether they get in on the back end or back-to-backs, whether they're playing the reigning Stanley Cup champion in that game, he's always said they got to get us wins. They all have, he's really that's been kind of the level of accountability with a backup goalie is he's got to go in and win games. 
Well, that's what Vladar has done, and not just since Christmas. I mean, he hasn't lost a game in regulation since late November. Uh, he's 6-0-3 in his last nine times he's gotten in between the pipes, right? So he's done exactly what the, the coach has asked. So it's hard to see him not at least give him a little bit more runway here, a little more unleash. He's coming off a fantastic performance. I uh, would be – you can never be surprised with goaltending decisions around here, but I would be if they don't go back to him again on Saturday. And and we saw that it can work. Like he started three straight and I think he won all three a little earlier in the season. You know, sometimes I think we're so quick to, to kind of jump on these storylines and Hey, listen, if Dan Vladar plays in the rest of this road trip and ends up piecing together three straight games, that doesn't mean it's his team. That doesn't mean what do we do with Markstrom, right? Like this is just ebb and flow of the season, right? Riding a hot hand. Um, letting it, you know, so I, I think uh, how, how can you not go back to Dan Vladar? He certainly earned it, and it would be a great reward for him to kind of give, you know, kind of keep his confidence level up. How do you think that kind of like, you know, his performance, Dustin Wolf continues to impress? I feel like goaltending has been such a topic this season. But when you look in the American League and you look at the way that Dustin Wolf continues to impress, at the professional level, how do you see the goalie situation playing out in Calgary in the short and long term? Yeah, it's it is going to it's starting to to get interesting. It's really starting to it, and you know there's there's no there's no there's not going to be clamoring to get Dustin Wolf up this year. The the team is in good hands this year, but I think as you get in towards the summer and um, and just kind of depending on on how the rest of the season plays out and, and how potentially a playoffs would would play out, you 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 got to start wondering at what point does Dustin Wolf force a move, uh, force himself to, uh, you know, to, to give them, to give him a spot, a chance, because this guy is doing everything and more that you can expect out of a, out of a prospect. His, his numbers have, have continued to be good since he's been drafted when he went back to junior, since he's turned pro two years ago, he's continuing to put up really good numbers that are eerily comparable to Juicy Saros in Nashville, who has not only taken hold of that uh, starting job since Pecorine retired, but is emerged as one of the one of the elite goaltenders in the NHL. Now, I went back and looked at the last three years of Saros, and he is like fourth in save percentage across the entire league over these last three years. And why we use Saros as a comparable for Dustin Wolf is it's the size question. Can a goalie that arguably six foot I'm, I'm not believing for a second that Dustin Wolf yeah. is six foot Saros yeah. is listed at 5'11 I think that's probably closer to the right number but he is living proof that a goalie that is against you who's who's out of the nord ordinary he's, he's not the tall six foot six guy six foot four six foot three six foot eight he's a smaller goalie but a smaller goalie there's still room in this game for those goalies if they can be elite at what they do and Dustin Wolf is doing elite things at every level and continues to do them. Yeah, I think the thing with small goaltenders that we hear all the time is they they almost have to be perfect when it comes to their technique and their positioning. A bigger goalie like a Jacob Markstrom, they can afford to be a little bit late getting across or they can afford to, you know, make a mistake because they're just so big that it'll probably just hit them anyways. Whereas yeah. Dustin Wolf or UC Saros, they have to get across quick. They have to be across strong. They have to track the puck well. And that are, those are the things that Dustin Wolf and UC Saros do really well. There was a video clip going around on the broadcast last night. I believe it was from the U.S. broadcast. Perhaps it was on, on the Sportsnet feed. I was kind of channel flipping at times last night. Um, 
of and this was the the Leafs broadcast at one point the the TNT feed there was a clip of UC Saros doing his training and it's him and a few other goalies and Saros is the smallest one on the ice and he is by far the most powerful and the most technically sound it's like a 15 second clip of UC Saros doing these goalie drills and he's just blowing the other guys out of the water it was very very impressive yeah, I saw that. I saw that clip, and, and it was. And and so that's and and so when you look at what the timeline for Dustin Wolf, does he have that strength yet? Is there still ways for him to continue to put up and be consistent in the American Hockey League, but also size and strength? Right? We often bring up talk about size and strength and how it's needed in forwards and defensemen, and they're always trying to grow and get bigger when they play in the American League. Well, it shows that that applies to goaltender as well. Like Dustin Wolf is not a, a big hulking guy, so maybe that's where where maybe, you know, another year in the American Hockey League for Dustin Wolf, maybe that lies ahead just to continue to kind of work on his strength so he can have those kind of sorrows like power and push-offs. But, yeah, it's, it's impressive. But And that's why it's so difficult, right? You have to be elite. You have to be good. You can't just be okay. And uh, and I think we've seen that in the past when you talk about goaltenders and you talk about Flames goaltending prospects. And, oh, my God, it's a, it's a discussion talking about Flames goaltenders. <laughs> that that will drive people crazy if you're a Flames fan because, what, they've been in Calgary for 42 years and they've really put through two goalies in, that they've drafted and turned into starting goaltenders for the Flames. Mike Vernon, Trevor Kidd two in 42 years so there's there's skeptics about Justin Wolf, but the other guy that always comes to mind when we talk about goaltending um, is Leland Irving he's the last time the Flames took a goaltender in the first round and by coincidence he also played for Everett where Dustin Wolf played and what we're and, and why I think there's probably on the surface to think oh my god is this guy another Leland Irving well a no he doesn't look like Napoleon Dynamite like uh, Leland Irving did uh, side reference aside though Leland Irving when he turned pro he struggled um, in in his year and and that's kind of your tell at what are you doing at age 20? What are you doing at age 21 in the American Hockey League? Leland Irving struggled, and when he eventually got to the NHL, he struggled, and he only lasted about, what, 15 games? Well, Dustin Wolf has not struggled at all. He has been just as good in the American Hockey League as he was in the Western Hockey League, and that's why there should be a ton of optimism about, around Dustin Wolf. And now, as you said, to start this whole kind of segment, what do they do? And I think it's too early to worry about that, but it is a great problem to have and not one this organization is very familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, zooming out off the goalie conversation and maybe taking a, a view of the team overall at the NHL club in, in Calgary, I, I obviously follow you on Twitter. We've worked together. Um, but I noticed one of your tweets that got a bit of a response out of it from either people agreeing with you, people saying you're crazy. You don't think the Flames have been as bad as some people think this season. Like when you look under the hood a little bit, do you believe that the Flames have been better than some of the discourse around how the season's gone. And I think the perspective to keep in mind here is this team is still in a playoff spot, despite the fact that they've maybe underperformed based on the external expectation that some some people, fans, media alike, have put on them. Yeah, I think, I think, I, I think that, you know, and that's exactly why I said that. And, and you know, the, it, it's deceptive because they've had so many overtime losses. Overtime losses stink. They suck. Let's let's be honest. If your team is playing in overtime, and it could be your favorite NFL football team, it could be your favorite NHL hockey team. When they lose in overtime, that leaves you with a terrible feeling. And and I think that's clouding. That's kind of judgment on on how they've been playing. But they 
continuing to scratch out points. Even this road trip, it's, it's kind of an interesting situation where where it feels like they, they got off to a really tough start. They lost their first two games, yet they win one, and all of a sudden they've got four out of six points. If they win out, now they, they just had an 800 road trip. So it's, it's those loser points that it really kind of, I think it, it makes it feel like a team is performing poorer than they really are. There's, you have a bigger problem if your team is getting blown out in games. How is not getting blown out of games? There's like, you can count on one hand and maybe even just a couple of fingers in games in which they weren't in the game right up to the very end. So are they making big mistakes that are costing them, not getting the big save? There's a lot of contributions to why they haven't been able to win those close games, but that means they're close. And when you're close, that's good. And that's, you know, and that, that's, you know, that's the next step to them getting over that hump, right? They've got another half season to go, and let's be honest, in this city, this team is ultimately going to be judged on what it does come late April and into May, and if it all goes well into June, because we've seen enough of like the team having good regular seasons and falling in the playoffs. This city, its fan base, it's re- it, it's ready for the opposite. And if you look back to when they last did have a really good success, it did come from that kind of situation where they went in as an underdog and put it all together. So that's ultimately, and we're just you know, we got a lot of sports radio to fill. We got a lot of things to talk about on a daily <laughs> basis. But right now, as long as they hang around a playoff spot, get in, punch that ticket, and then especially right now in the Western Conference, there's, there's opportunity, right? So I think, they're, I think they continue to be close. They certainly need to fine-tune things, but there's still lots of time to do that. There's still another three months, right? So it will be, continue to be a fascinating thing. But I, I think a lot of people would feel better if this team could go on a really nice run. They haven't won, they haven't won more than three games in a row all season. And, and I think when you kind of have that fit starts that you kind of go along, win, win, lose, overtime loss, win, I think that kind of sits with people, right, negatively. So a little bit of a hot streak, I think, would go a long way as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great point to make, too. It is a bigger issue if you're losing all these blowout games to opponents, especially if it's inferior opponents or, you know, these measuring stick games. The Flames have been in and around it. Um, the question still is, is can this be something that makes them battle tested or is it going to be something that ends up making this season a, a massive disappointment for for fans, for upper management, for media people who have radio shows to, to <laughs> try to kill time with? or not. Um, but I think the optimist view is that being in these close games is going to make them more battle tested than even they were last season where games were easy for the flames sometimes, and they were beating up on opponents because they had this great top line. Um, maybe they will be more and better prepared for when games gets, get harder and when scoring gets lower in the postseason. I think it's a great point by you, Darren. Um, is Andrew Mangiapane on the verge of being the Andrew Mangiapane from last year? Are you seeing, you know, maybe an uptick and improvement in his game that leads us to believe he's about to turn the corner? I think so. I mean, I think that line, uh, they, they, they struggled to, if you were just skimming summaries, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Uh, but for the, for quite a while now, that, that Backlund, Coleman, Mangiapane line, They've been excellent, and and how many, I think he had a couple of goalposts last night, Manjapani, and like one in particular, just kind of below the faceoff dot, just a snap to that shot that went across far side, far goalpost. You know, he's a guy that, you know, what I always liked about Andrew is 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 
he's not a cocky guy. He's not that overconfident guy, and probably to a fault, where he's always kind of struggled with his confidence. And once he found it, he found his way. And I think he probably, when he didn't get off to the fast start this year, the the weight of that new expectations, because you know expectations are based on how much are you making now. That's the new world. That's that's they don't just like your name. Now it's like, what's your, what's, how much are you making? Then that in, in fans eyes, that equates to a certain number of goals. And, and I think he probably, those are probably pretty real stressful times that probably impacted his play. So I think now that he's got it, I think he's feeling better about his game. They're having a lot of success. He's rounded a lot more. I think you're going to see that really kind of grow exponentially and you're going to see those those close calls turn into goals and i think that that kind of uh, uh a fan favorite uh, that that everybody kind of fell in love with as a fan uh, of, that magic panty did over the last couple of years i think you're going to see that player continue the rest of the season because if you feel he's really close and i think again once he's got it in his mind that that he's good and he's, he's going and he's got that self-confidence I think it's really he's really going to flourish. So I think we're close for for number eighty eight. If you spent any time talking to or around Andrew Mangiapane, like you would know how big that confidence element is for him. You did the great story from Barry to the big time on the Athletic. His and Rasmus Anderson's kind of shared ride from junior hockey to the big leagues in Calgary. And um, you know, I kind of had that story last year where I talked to Andrew about his path and going from, you know, being a guy who was told that the NCAA is the best path for you because you might not be able to be a professional athlete, but at least you can get an education and you can get, you know, some free schooling and a degree out of being a pretty good hockey player. And at every kind of step of his path, you know, once he gains that confidence, he's able to really turn on the Jets and, and be an impact player. And I think we saw that last year where his confidence was at an all-time high and he had that breakout year. I'm tweeting those pictures of the yodeling cat with the cowboy hat and, and then he gets the big contract. And, and we haven't really seen that confident, you know, dominant in and around the net, Andrew Mangiapane that, that we maybe saw in his breakout season last year. But I think there's reason to believe that, that that's still there. It just doesn't go away. He just needs to get that confidence back to the level that it was last year when he was able to start producing and doing all the things that, that made him so endearing to fans. Because even when he wasn't producing as much in the years previous to last, he was a fan favorite because the way he works and he works in the corners yeah. and he works hard yeah. and everyone kind of saw this breakout coming last year I, I, how many times did we talk about if, if you didn't see Andrew Manchipani being the breakout guy last year you weren't paying attention so it's got to be there somewhere it doesn't go away after everything that we've seen and learned about this guy yeah and you wonder is he going to be a, a 35 goal scorer or a guy who scored 35 goals I mean that remains to be seen but he, yes. he has all the tools to be a, a, a highly effective 25 to 30 guy and, um, you know, and, and I think he's, he's well on his path to kind of getting back there. So do you have an ideal way that you would like to see Jacob Peltier utilize? Like, how would you like to see the Flames proceed with Jacob? He's gotten called up. He's been sitting in the press box the last few games. I know you texted me. Uh, you know, what was, you said, did they call him up? To give him a nice little tour around the Midwest. <laughs> I hope not. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, what, whatever they're doing, that's what they meant to do. That's what uh, good communications people do on a sports team is help people make make sure that this is this is oh yeah no this is this is this is um, you know we, we, you just brought them up for to get some experience just to practice with the team and and there's certainly elements of value that come with practicing with the team with traveling with the team. I mean, think about all those like like this is like. Certainly not not saying there's no value to it. There's a ton of value what he's getting right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like, uh, it's hard to believe that he wasn't brought up to play and to see some action. And, 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 and so it does raise some eyebrows a little bit in terms of are the GM and the coach aligned right now or, or what's quite happening there. Now that they're coming off a win, and your question is is poorly timed because uh, there was opportunity. I thought after that first game of the road trip, especially when when Sutter benched both uh, Ruzicka and Zahorna in the third period, and you just and you end up losing to the worst team in the National Hockey League, the Chicago Blackhawks. That seemed like a very easy opportunity to get Jacob Pelche in the lineup, and it doesn't to me. It doesn't have to be in the top nine. Like playing with, you can play him on the fourth line. It's not going to. Like 10 minutes is still 10 minutes of National Hockey League action, right? Um, so you could have played them there, play them with uh, Ruzichka and Trevor Lewis, for example. Um, so as it turns out, as it plays out, Walker Dewar gets in, makes the most of that opportunity. Now they have, they're have they all coming off a win, and they're coming off a win in which one of the guys where you're thinking, eh, does Dylan Dubé need a need a moment in the press box maybe he needs well definitely not after his last game because he really came to play last night Mm -hmm. and sparked that whole line so so now when you're asking me the question right now and today and not a few days ago i don't really have an answer for where pelche should be because i think enough players did enough good things last night that i'm not sure you shake that up but i think there was opportunity and there may be again and and i guess just where i would go with that just to not Fence, fence it too much is I just think don't be afraid to to give him some reps at, you know on the fourth line I think we have a sometimes we have this a kind of archaic view and I guess when I say we you know I think the coach may have a view of what that fourth line should be but I don't know if it has to be I think maybe you maybe it changes depending on your opponent are they a big heavy opponent or are they is this an opportunity to play a little bit more skill on your fourth line um, I, I think there's still ways that, that, that used in a variety of different ways while he's just cutting his teeth in the NHL and just getting some looks where you can get Pelche some time and it doesn't need to be. It doesn't have to be top six. You don't have to find him. A, you don't have to carve him a spot and play him with really top players. I think there's a way for him, given some of his propensity in his game, yeah, he's a good goal scorer, but he's got an all-around game that he could – he could bring that to to any level, and you look at fourth lines in the past in the city, and you had uh, Manjapani started off on the fourth line. And are there not some similarities with Pelche and and Manjapani in terms of kind of size and attributes? And and um, yeah, and he played on kind of a mixed bag. I think Garnet Halfway was on that line, and Derek Ryan kind of a vet. So yeah. that kind of configuration for the fourth line can work. We've seen it work in this city. They have comparable pro numbers too, Peltier and Andrew Mangiapane. So there is reason to be not just excited about Jacob Peltier in the NHL, but also to imagine him taking a similar path from the fourth line, working his way up to middle six guy and, and seeing what he can do if he can work his way up the lineup and if he can be a guy who can just scale a lineup, if he can play wherever you need him on a given night. Uh, that being said, I don't know if 
you know, playing in the middle six or the top nine or the fourth line against the Dallas Stars, who currently sit first in the central and have one of the best lines in hockey in their first line and Jamie Benn clicking and Tyler Sagan clicking, Miro Heiskanen, great goalie. I don't know if that's the best uh, way to cut your teeth, but I've also been way wrong about predicting when guys are going to be in and out of the lineup before. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think the window, maybe this window is closed and he'll end up just kind of concluding those uh, that, those tours of the Midwest and maybe come home with a new pair of shoes and maybe a couple of new suits. And, and we'll see him later in the season when maybe there's an injury and it really opens up a genuine opportunity. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there's nothing really that wrong with sitting up in the press box, getting the, the bird's eye view of, of an NHL game and the systems that they play and practicing and being around the team and being around Daryl, et cetera, but still not... Uh, what people maybe would have hoped when they saw the the transaction that Jacob Peltier was called up. Great stuff, Darren. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, good to chat, Haley. I miss having you as my right winger in the press box there. I, <laughs> I am always, like just like the Flames, they're always on the lookout for a right winger. I guess now I am as well. <laughs> well, I miss, were you, that makes you the centerman, I guess, right? Yeah. I miss you too. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, maybe a 4C, though, not a 1C, 2C, or 3C. I'd be a 4C, maybe a 5 <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You're trying to get it in the lineup. Well, I wouldn't say that, but thanks, Darren. Okay, take care. There goes Darren Haynes. He's been covering the Calgary Flames with the Canadian press for a very long time, since 1990, he has in his Twitter bio. He also is a colleague of mine uh, at The Athletic. He did some great stuff for us there as well. And that conversation with Darren was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can come on in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. We're going to head to break. And coming up next, we're going to tee up the weekend matchup against the Dallas Stars with Saad Youssef. He is great. He does an awesome job covering the Dallas Stars at The Athletic. That's coming up next on Hockey Central 960 on your home of the Flames. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the final 15 minutes of the work week. At least when it comes to the radio portion, I've still got some uh, some writing to do that I've procrastinated. And I'm going to get to do that over the weekend. But in terms of this radio show, we've got 15 minutes left. And we're going to spend it with the wonderful... Saad Youssef, he's the Dallas Stars beat writer at The Athletic, and he joins us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Saad, you had a wild Stars game last night. It took the New York Rangers literally to the last second of the game to score a goal, and they wind up beating the Stars in overtime. <laughs> what did you make of last night? I, I saw some Stars fans were just like, what What just happened? <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah, I I think when you look at it, I mean, you just feel bad for Jake Ottinger, right? I mean, I mean, he had a shutout bid for for 59 minutes and 59 seconds, and then, um, and then it just kind of all it, it all went away. And you know, it's also not the first time in the last month. Um, if you go back to December 19th in Columbus, uh, Jake Ottinger had a two nothing shutout going into the final minute, and 15 seconds later, or with 15 seconds left in regulation, uh, Columbus scored a goal. The funny thing about that one was Luke Glendening um, was the one who blocked a shot in Columbus and then it ricocheted off of him and went past Ottinger. 
Well, yesterday it was Glenn Denning who blocked a shot from uh, Keandre Miller, and um, and then it went back to Miller, and he got it past Ottinger. Honestly, it was, you know, like it's kind of like what I wrote last night in the Athletic. It, it was just a series of unfortunate events, to be honest. Like, it's nothing the Stars could have done. They blocked the shot, like that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and then when you go to overtime, you have Miro Haskinen, one of the best zone entry players in the entire NHL, entering mm-hmm. the zone cleanly. Um, and, you know, Panarin just made a really great play. And, and, you know, or I think it was Dabinijad made the great play, and Panarin went and got in the corner. You just expect Miro to make that play, and, and, you know, he was unable to. And, of course, you know, fans will look at the end of that game and, and you know, the trip on Haskinen and the trip on Zibanejad. But, really, that game was lost, like you said, in that last second of regulation. And it's a nice example or a nice reminder, I should say, for Flames fans who are who are looking forward to watching this game or planning to watch this game and thinking, all right, let me let me remember – what happens when you play the Dallas Stars? And, oh, yeah, that's right. It's Jake Ottinger, who is, you know, unbeatable at times. And he certainly was in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> and uh, has he somehow gotten better this year? I think so. I mean, you and I were there in Calgary covering, you know, that series together. And, like, I, you know, Jake was ridiculous. And throughout the summer, the big question was, how would he carry that over? And then in the first month of the season, he actually had a better save percentage throughout the first month than he did in that series against Calgary. So he literally <laughs> got better. And then, um, and then he got hurt. And you know, by the time he came back from his injury, he's uh, you know he's he's a top five goaltender. He's at, I think a nine twenty three or nine twenty five save percentage. He's top five in the NHL. And you know he's just a he he just operates differently mentally. Like if you look at the way that he plays. He's the number one road uh, goaltender in the entire league uh, by a pretty decent margin as well. So I know Calgary is playing, you know, Dallas at home tomorrow, but still, like, it just goes to show you the kind of player that he is. That when you know when you put him up against the best in hostile environments. If you look at this week, he went against Ilya Sorokin, against the Islanders, and then Shisterkin yesterday. Two of the top goaltenders in the NHL at MSG yesterday, just putting up an iconic performance. So. Yeah, Haley, you you know you know just as well as I do after covering that series in the summer and in the spring, like you know Jake is Jake just you know he went against Markstrom and did what he did, and and that's just kind of the way that he is. Yeah, one of the best goalie performances that I think most people have seen in a, in a really long time in terms of an individual performance. It, it was wild stuff from Jake Ottinger. Um, this is a Dallas team that currently sits first in the Central Division right now. They've got a new coach. Pete DeBoer, how have they changed in terms of the way that they play, in terms of their systems, since Pete DeBoer has taken over the bench from Rick Bonus, who was the bench boss last time these two teams played in the playoffs? I think there's a couple of big differences. Like the first one is just the green light they have on offense. Uh, they don't have to work. They they haven't lost their defensive structure um, in front of in, in front of the goalie, but they also have a green light on offense. You're seeing that with Miro Haskinen, for example, who's on pace for 60 points, which would easily be a career high for him. Um, I think his career high so far is somewhere around the mid 30s, and so there's that. And then I think the other thing that's really helped everybody is how much they really ascribe to the rolling four lines. Um, you know, Jason Robertson, for as productive as he's been, I think he's one of the, he plays the least amount of minutes of all those upper echelon goal scorers in the NHL. And then, you know, the big story in Dallas, a lot of it has revolved around the resurgence of Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, and more so mm-hmm. Jamie Benn. But, you know, one thing that people fail to realize is as productive as Jamie's been, 
this is the least amount of time he's playing per game since he was a rookie. So this is, you know, Pete DeBoer has really reduced the ice time. They have some overachievers. Wyatt Johnston's a, a, you know, a prime example, I think, of a guy who, or a kid, I should say, 19 years old, who you didn't really expect to play as well as he is, but he's consistent. He plays really well. And um, and I think Mason Marchman is another guy who came in and, you know, he's, he's kind of lived up to the expectation. So I think systematically they have a green light on offense. They haven't lost the defensive structure, and they're all just a lot fresher. I think when you look at the goals per 60 rate, Jason Robertson, who is still fourth in goals in the league, but quite a ways behind Connor McDavid, uh, they're tied in terms of goal efficiency per 60 minutes played in all situations. So <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, Robertson I think everybody's season. behind Connor McDavid when yeah, it comes to everything. Yeah. So. Uh, in totality, but you're absolutely right. Like, you know, when you look at the efficiency, Robertson is, is you know, playing really well. Um, when you talk about Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, I think the Jamie Benn comeback year was is more surprising to me than Tyler Sagan because at least last year we knew that Tyler Sagan, you know, barely had, what, a quad muscle and a hip flexor. Like, you could, you could make sense of his performance last year due to the injury he was still essentially coming back from. Uh, whereas Jamie Benn, I think people were just ready to write him off. He's too old. He's too slow. Like Jamie Benn in his prime is gone. And now they're both 60 point pace guys over that this season. They both look great, but I think the Jamie Benn comeback season is, is probably the bigger pleasant surprise of the two. How has he been able to do it? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a that's a great question. And I think there's a few things. So first of all, we talked about the minute reduction. I do think that plays a role. The, um, the second thing I would say is his line mates. Uh, he has a 19-year-old in Wyatt Johnston. Um, right now, Mason Marchman is playing as the right winger on that line. But for most of the season, it's been tied to Landria, another 22-year-old. So I think the young guys have rejuvenated Jamie quite a bit. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, he like this is just – this is just kind of fact of the matter. He's on the top power play unit, so he wasn't on there last year. A lot of his production has come on the power play. Um, when you're playing with Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, and Haskinen on the top power play unit, you're going to get some, you're going to get some points. Um, and so I think that's definitely played a larger role as well. And uh, and I think you know you you mentioned it. I think I think Jamie is playing more within the scope of what he should be. Like whether it's the responsibilities. Um, you know, forget the minutes. He's he's a third line winger right now, and and for some people they might see that as a slight, but he's really taken that, um, embraced that role, and he's played really well. Um, you talk about how well he's played. Uh, it, it's kind of ridiculous to think that this guy, who in his prime was a premier goal scorer and won the Art Ross Trophy in 2015, he actually had the single best month of his entire career in November. So. Um, so he's having uh, like not just a resurgence, but it's just it, you know it's it's like you said. I completely agree with you. I think Jamie Ben's resurgence is at a different level than what Sagan is doing as well. Um, and I think the line mates, the system, and um, the responsibilities that he's given both less on five on five and greater on the power play have all played a big role. I think it's been interesting to look at this Dallas Stars team, who again you and I spent a lot of time, you know scouting the enemy and, and looking at the matchup between these two teams in the first round of the playoffs last season. And I think the big thing and the big reason why people thought, you know, Calgary is going to have an easy time with Dallas is they didn't really have any scoring depth. It was like, yeah, they've got 
one of the best lines in hockey and Joe Pavelski, Rupa Hintz, and Jason Robertson. And those three are still one of the best lines in hockey this season, but they didn't have a whole lot other than those three. And the organization did well to go out and bolster the scoring depth. So now they've got that top line. They've got the resurgence of, of Ben and Sagan, but they've also got some other guys in the mix. Like it's not just a, a single line hockey team and, oh, we'll just hope that they can score and Jake Ottinger well, you know, shut the door. Like, this is a, a more dangerous team from top to bottom this season. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of it is with the younger guys with, who, you know, also have reduced cap hits, like, you know, Wyatt Johnson, Ty DeLandria. You have to have those kind of guys plugging in. And then, you know, they also went in the free agency and got Mason Marchman on a very manageable free agency deal. And if you look at, you know, what they have coming down the, coming down the pipe, from Team Canada and World Juniors, you saw Logan Stankoven, um, you know, really light it up. And, you know, everybody, everybody that every kid in Canada is under the shadow of Connor Bedard. But um, <laughs> Stankoven really was probably one of the best players for Canada as they won gold. So um, they have that coming up. And, and like you said, they have a lot of that right now as well. Wyatt Johnston is 19 years old and, and second in the league in uh, among rookies and goals scored. Ty DeLandria is a workhorse. Pete DeBoer actually told me earlier in the season he said you know because the stars have had a little bit of a, a little bit of a struggle at right wing on their second line and DeBoer said if we just had like four tied to Landry's, we wouldn't have any problems on the team and so um but they have a 22 year old on an entry level deal they have a 19 year old on an entry level deal um and they don't have designated roles they don't have a checking line they just have a fourth line and they play reduced minutes and i think that goes a long way um, and then back on the blue line, you have Miro Haskinen taking his game to a, another level offensively. You have Nils Lundqvist coming in as a 22-year-old defenseman and playing well and progressing as well. So, um, like you said, like it's 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 more than just the top line. It's even more than Ben and Sagan. It's really the totality of the roster. That's that's why the Stars have been as well as, playing as well as they have. Yeah, there's definitely more that the Flames need to account for in the matchup against the Dallas Stars that's uh, coming up this weekend on Saturday. Is there anything you're looking at in terms of the matchup between these two teams uh, that's going to be a big storyline or, or a big point that you're focusing on into this game, Saad? Well, I've just kind of been interested to see, you know, watching from relatively afar, but still keeping a close eye on Calgary. It's just, you know, Watching that team, the way that they were, you talk about uh, Robertson and Savelski being one of the top lines. I think the only line that probably was better was Calgary's line last year um, with uh, with Kachuk and and uh, and Gaudreau, neither one who are there anymore. So for me, it's just been kind of interesting to see the development of that, the integration of a guy like Kadri, um, and, and just you know the, really how the team is kind of coming together, which I think has been a, a pretty slow process and and. I don't know what the expectations necessarily were in the market there in Calgary, but I would say, like, I mean, I, I think I expected a little bit more because, you know, we thought that once they lost Kachuk and Gaudreau that this team might sink into uh, a rebuild-ish type year, but instead, obviously, they went and, and you know, got some big names to, to come in. And I, I just think that kind of waiting to see all that really mesh and see how it really looks when it's the final product. Last one for you, Saad. How do we feel about the afternoon puck drop? Are you a matinee guy I mean, or no? I'm not a big matinee guy just because, I mean, obviously from a deadline perspective, it's great. But, I mean, Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock, it means no morning skate, which, you know, that, that kind of uh, – it, it kind of like 
I think hockey reporters are just as much of routine people as hockey hockey yeah. players are sometimes, and it just kind of throws everything off. So, um, not a big matinee guy, if I'm going to be honest. But uh, but you know, from a deadline perspective, it helps. And then um, and then you know, you still have your entire evening ahead of you, so that's cool. Yeah, there you go. We'll see. That's uh, that game between the Calgary Flames and Dallas Stars. It's one o'clock local time in Dallas, noon Mountain. That's uh, Saturday. Thanks for all the insights, Saad. It's going to be an interesting matchup. It'll be a nice little measuring stick to see how both of these teams have kind of what path they've gone on since that first round last season. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime, Haley. There goes uh, my friend Saad Youssef. He covers the Dallas Stars for the Athletic, breaking down the enemy. Again, Calgary Flames and Dallas Stars facing off against each other on Saturday at noon, Mountain Time, 1 o'clock Central, if you are in Dallas or in that time zone and hoping to go to the game. And that conversation with Saad was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call 403-248-3344. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you to Cam and Taylor, uh, the wonderful production team, and to Saad and Darren for coming on the show talking about the Flames breaking down the Dallas Stars. We will see you next week on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan, your home of the Flames.